Quite some time ago now, I was sitting at home in Florida and there were three things that I definitely knew. One was I was talking to my wife Sue Ellen and we were talking early in our marriage about visiting her family in New Hampshire. Now for me, New Hampshire seemed like a world away and I was thinking about driving and you know going to visit family for a weekend or something like that and it was so far away I thought to myself and I might have even said, New Hampshire, I don't know if we're ever gonna go to New Hampshire. And then secondly, I was thinking about uh, where I would live and over a winter break when I was in school, I went and stayed with family in Virginia. Now, Virginia, we now, you know, I know is the South, but for me, that was a 17 hour drive north. And spending the winter in Virginia convinced me that I did not like cold weather and I did not want to live anywhere where it was cold. Third thing I knew was that uh, as I was pursuing a career in ministry that I was not going to be a church planter because we had been a part of a church plant and I had seen the skills and the, uh, the necessary tasks that needed to be happen as a church planter to plant a church. And I looked at myself and thought, yeah, that's not me. I don't have the skills. I don't have the gifting. I don't see myself doing that. Now, within a couple of years of thinking all of those things, I found myself driving a big yellow truck with everything that we owned in the back of it, heading straight north from Florida to New Hampshire to move there and to plant a church in New England. You see, God had used a variety of circumstances to change and completely upend my expectations about what he would and would not do and what I could and could not do. Maybe you can relate because over the past couple of months especially, it seems like our whole world has been upended. And maybe you find yourself in a situation that you didn't expect or you didn't think you would be able to navigate and you're wondering what's next and wondering where God is going to lead. But I have found that often he has to upend and change our perspective a little bit to take us where he wants us to be. And if we're going to be a church that's going to make an impact like we emphasized last week, then he's going to maybe need to upend some of our expectations so that we can have a positive impact on the world. So what we're going to do in this series called Upended is we're going to look at the book of Acts. That book of Acts is a New Testament book that tells about the start of the church and the expansion of the church. And in fact, uh, one of the scenes about halfway through is the Apostle Paul has come to Thessalonica 
And he, as is his usual habit, as you'll see, he goes to the synagogue and he talks to Jesus, talks about Jesus to the people of the synagogue. And then he broadens his audience to the Gentile population. Well, things didn't go well at Thessalonica. And eventually he encounters a tremendous amount of persecution. And the, what the people of the city said about him and the other followers of Jesus was this, those troublemakers who have turned the world upside down have come here to our city. Now they meant it as a derogatory comment, but you think about it and it is amazing that this small band of Jesus followers grew and spread the news about Jesus all over the known world of that time and really did turn the world upside down for good for Jesus. So that's what we're going to be looking at. And the bottom line for today, the first thing that I want you to notice in this introduction to Acts is this, that if you let him, if you let the Lord, if you let God direct and the result will be better than you expect. Let him direct, and the result will be better than we expect. You see, I found that over and over again, that uh, sometimes uh, he leads in a way that I'm not so sure about, or circumstances happen that I wouldn't have chosen if it were up to me. But in the end, because he's good and loving and he's in control, and because I belong to him, we see that when we let him direct, the result will be better than we expect. So let's look at it together. This is Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. It's the first scene in this book. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. It says, In this, my first book, I told you, and I, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that we have the testimony and the example of your people as the church gets started in Acts chapter 1. 
I pray that you would use your word to speak to each one who is listening and watching. There are things, perspectives, that we probably need to change, that we need to see things from a different angle. We need to understand things a little bit better, and we need to trust you a little bit more. I pray that as we go through this, that that's exactly what you will accomplish in the lives of every one of our hearers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The first thing that I want you to notice here is that there, there were several changes of expectation that get started here in this first chapter of Acts. And this is actually an ongoing theme. God is constantly changing their perspective, broadening their perspective, and doing things a little bit differently than they would have expected. And one of the first things that you see is that it's a change in expectation about what God would do. Let's look at the introduction. It says in my first book, now let's give a little bit of background. This is the Dr. Luke who wrote the gospel according to Luke and then followed it up with the book of Acts. Uh, sometimes the longer name is the Acts of the Apostles. It is the start of the church. So what Luke did as a careful observer, as a good historian, as a great researcher, he went and compiled all the information, the firsthand accounts of what Jesus did, and then followed that up with a similar historical book on the beginning of the church, did the research, got the background, talked to the, talked to the eyewitnesses, and then he also was included among the eyewitnesses because he's a participant in many of the scenes in the book of Acts. So he says, in my first book, I told you Theophilus, he's writing, we think, to a particular person named Theophilus about everything Jesus began to do and teach. And it says that during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. Now, the, in this phrase is one of the big changes of perspective that people had to adapt, uh, had to adopt in order to uh, embrace this new faith because Jesus suffered and died. The whole idea of a suffering and dying Messiah was totally foreign to what was expected and what was accepted. But yet that's exactly what happened. And then he appeared, he comes back to life and he appeared to the apostles from time to time and proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. So for them, the whole idea of a dying and rising Messiah was a definite paradigm shift. And maybe for you, you've heard the stories, you know about Jesus, but the whole idea that, that, that uh, someone could actually die and come back to life, you have a hard time believing that. That's just not something that happens. But over and over again, people have studied this throughout history. They've looked at the eyewitnesses' accounts and over and over again, many people, when they honestly look at the evidence we have, come to the same conclusion that the apostles came to, that Jesus 
actually did die and come back to life. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. In one of the books that I was studying with, it gives this list of all the appearances of Jesus uh, after his resurrection. He appears to Mary Magdalene. He appears to the other women who show up at the tomb. He shows up for, to Peter in Jerusalem. He talks with two travelers on the road to Emmaus. Then he comes and shows up to with the ten disciples who were behind closed doors. Then all eleven disciples, including Thomas, later seven disciples while fishing on the Sea of Galilee, later eleven disciples on a mountain in Galilee, then a crowd of over 500 people, then also to his brother James, Jesus' brother James, and then finally to those who watched him ascend into heaven. Over and over again, over that course of 40 days, he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And during that time, talk to them about the kingdom of God. Let's pause there for just a second because the kingdom of God has been an ongoing theme in Jesus' ministry and his preaching right from the very beginning. What is the kingdom of God? It is everywhere where Jesus is king, where people recognize and acknowledge Jesus as king. And the whole idea is that as people follow Jesus, then God's will gets done in and among those people. And so, whether they were expecting it or not, whether it was hard for them to believe or not, God proved that this was his plan and this was his way of accomplishing the coming of the kingdom of God by raising Jesus from the dead. And so they had to acknowledge that things were a little bit different and but if they would let him direct the result would be better than they expected so what god would do and perhaps for you you have a hard time navigating how god could allow things or what the way that he is leading in your life but if we trust him and surrender to him, then we will find that he will direct our lives and the result will be better than we expect. And I just want to pause here because the whole idea of directing is something that we need to settle. Maybe for you, you've heard the stories, maybe you had a hard time believing, but now you're just recognizing that you know, there's just tremendous evidence, eyewitness testimony within the scriptures. It's not just a sacred book. It is a sacred book that is full of eyewitness testimony. And now, maybe for the first time, you're recognizing that it, we're really serious about this, that Jesus did raise, was raised from the dead and all the things that flow from that, that he is fully God and fully man, that he lived a perfect life, that he died a death that he did not deserve so that we could receive the freedom, the forgiveness, the release from guilt, and the new fresh start that we could never earn on our own. 
And before we go any farther, this is something maybe you're used to me doing at the end of the message, but I just want to give you an opportunity right now at this point to say yes to Jesus. Because if you are going to experience this, you have to start with that first phrase, letting him direct surrendering your life to him. Because when we say yes to Jesus, we're not only saying yes to him as savior, the forgiver of our sins, the one who paid the penalty for all of our wrongdoing, we're also receiving him as Lord, as the master, as the boss, as the one who gets to call the shots. And so I'm going to encourage you to say yes to Jesus. If that's you and you're doing this for the first time, then we want you to do one of two things, to let us know so that we can celebrate with you and resource you for your new life in Christ. The first way you can let us know, no matter what platform you're listening or watching this, is you can text YES to 603-225-2550. Or if you're watching on the Church Online platform, you can click that button that says raise hand and then follow up with the connect with us button so that we can celebrate with you again and resource you for your new life in Christ. If we're going to experience this, he's probably gonna to have to change a little bit about what we think God can do. And then secondly, how God would do it. Sometimes we have a pretty straight and and restrain the idea of what God can do and what he won't do. And we kind of put him in a box. And sometimes in order for us to experience what God has for us, we need to change our perspective about how God would do it. We see this in Acts chapter one in this phase where it says, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, maybe to them that didn't make sense because if they were going to see the kingdom of God, they didn't want to wait around for it. They wanted to see things happening right now. But Jesus commands them to wait and he says there's a reason behind it. Sometimes he tells us, sometimes we don't always catch the reason, but here he says, remember I told you, John, talking about John the Baptist, he baptized with water, but I am going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Now, baptism is just a transliteration of a Greek word that means to immerse. So when you are baptized in water, you are immersed in water. That's literally what it means. When you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, it means you are immersed, you are included in the Holy Spirit. And that was the promise of power and empowerment for Jesus' followers. And so he said, I don't know, you know if I were to paraphrase, it would be like, I, I don't, I'm not sure how you thought that this kingdom of God thing was going to happen and how it was going to come to pass. But you need to wait around because my way of doing it is giving you the power in the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said an amazing thing when he was teaching his disciples. He says, it's better that I go away because when I go away, then God 
the Father will send the Holy Spirit. And if you think about that, that, that almost sounds crazy to us. Which, which would you choose? To have Jesus standing right beside you that you could talk with and interact with, have him in the flesh in person? Or would you rather have the Holy Spirit? Jesus says it's better that he send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be everywhere with every one of Jesus' followers all at the same time. He's not beside us. He's in us, empowering us, leading us, guiding us, speaking to us. Because the scriptures describe it as if you have the mind of Christ, you can read his mind because we have the Holy Spirit. So his way of going about it was to send his Holy Spirit and for him, Jesus, to return to heaven. So it might require a change in the way you think about how God will do something. And if you have a very narrow perspective and think that only God can only do this in this way, then perhaps you might miss out if he wants to do it in another way. But that's part of our surrendering to him, that God is going to do it the way he wants to do it. And so we need to let him direct so that we can experience that result that's better than what we expect. Then thirdly, it might require a change in the when, in the when God would do something. You see, sometimes we want things on our schedule the way we want them to be done, how we want them to be done, and certainly on our time frame. And here we see Jesus reorienting them about when things were going to happen. So it says, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? When are you going to fulfill the promises, all the things that we were planning? You see, for a long time, as Jesus began to talk about the kingdom of God, they had a very particular idea about what that looked like. It meant that God was going to use Jesus to overthrow the Roman oppressors and reestablish the kingdom of Israel, an earthly kingdom that was going to restore the, the kingship of the line of David, all these different preconceived notions about how that was going to happen. And now they're saying, okay, we didn't see it coming that you were going to go to the cross and die and certainly didn't expect you to be raised again. But now that all of that has happened, are you now going to go back to that program that we thought you were going to do and that we've been expecting all of this time? And so he's like, okay, you've, you've kind of taken us on a detour. It wasn't the way that we expected, but now you're going to get back on, on our time frame and, and kind of fulfill our expectations, right? And of course, Jesus has none of it. He says, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. In other words, the, the schedule for what's going to happen, it's up to God. He's the one that gets to call the shots. And they are not for you to know. In fact, you're, you're, you're asking the wrong question. You're asking, when are all of these things going to happen? What you really need to know is what I have in mind for you to do. And that's what he says. And you, what's going to happen? Father's going to set those times and dates. You don't have to worry about that. You can't even know that. 
but you will be my witnesses telling people every, about me everywhere. You will be my witnesses. Now, what does a witness do? A witness just tells what they've seen and experienced. They tell what has happened. They give testimony. And so he said, you're thinking about all this other stuff, but what really needs to happen is you need to focus on the, the task that I'm going to give you, which is just telling the story, just telling what you have experienced and what you have seen. And then he gives an outline for the book as a whole, the rest of the story of the book of Acts. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, right there in the city where they were, throughout Judea, in Samaria, in the region, in the area where they were, and then to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. This is hometown among their own people. Judea is still in the same area and among their own people. Then it's going to be a slightly different crowd, people that they wouldn't normally hang out with. Those were the Samaritans. And then beyond what they could expect and what they were thinking to the very ends of the earth. They thought that Jesus was going to set up an earthly kingdom in Jerusalem that would start something new. But Jesus was starting something new that was way beyond what they would have expected in geography, in the people that it was going to reach, and in time, how broad and how wide God was going to work. And so again, when we let him direct the, the, the what he would do, the how he would do it, the when he would do it, then the result is going to be better than we expect. Now, very practically speaking, there is no way that we could have foreseen what was going to happen in 2020. And there have been all kinds of adaptations, and we're still, whether it's churches or schools or government organizations, hospitals, healthcare, finances, there are all kinds of adjustments that we are making, things that we could not foresee. But I believe that God has been at work even in the midst of all of this turmoil and that he has a good plan for us, as we've been saying from the beginning, that he's going to use this for his glory and for our good. And as we shift into whatever this next phase is going to be, next phase of ministry, next phase of what it means to be a church and, and to live out the mission that God has given us, then I just want myself personally, and I want us as a church, you as a follower of Jesus, to be open for God to work outside of the expectations that we would normally have. The ways that we think things should be done. The ways that we think that things have to happen. The time frame for how God would work and the ways that he would work. And just kind of put that out there with open hands. What you're going to see as we study through the book of Acts is God continually challenging preconceived notions, 
blowing up the preconceived notions and doing things in new and different ways and expanding the reach and impact of his church. I believe that he continues and wants to continue to do the same kind of thing in big and small ways. But we have to hold all of those expectations, all of those preconceived notions, all of those assumptions in open hands and just be willing for God to lead us in whatever way he wants. Never in a million years did I expect when I was living in Florida where I was born and raised that I would move over about 1,500 miles straight north, set up shop and make home in New England, in the, the cold white north of New England, that I would appreciate the seasons of New England, that we would plant a church that was so far outside of my expectations, so far outside of my comfort zone. But that's exactly what God did. And in order for that to happen for me, I had to open my hands and allow God to lead and guide. And I'm going to ask you to do the same thing and challenge myself to do the same thing, because whatever is next is probably going to require a change of some sort. So here's my challenge to you this week to make this statement your statement. I'm willing to have my assumptions upended. I'm willing to have my assumptions upended. And then I think if we're just willing to put everything out there on the table, put everything in open hands before the Lord, maybe, just maybe, not only will he upend some of our assumptions, but he just might use us to turn the world upside down in big and small ways to make an impact for his kingdom and for the good of the world around us. Let him upend our assumptions so that he can use us to up in things that are wrong in the world and put things right in his master plan. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are constantly challenging us, constantly using us in ways that are outside of our comfort zone, because when we uh, are used by you, it's a demonstration of your power and not our power or smarts or wisdom or plans. Lord, we just want to hold everything in open hands before you so that we can be used as your hands and feet to the world around us. I pray that you would give everyone listening the wisdom to know how they need to apply what they've heard today and that you will give all of us the courage to follow you wholeheartedly no matter what that means. In Jesus' name, amen.